his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Perry Woods. And yes, indeed, the Weekend Report is on your radio, and we appreciate you being a part of it. My name is Tony Colombo in studio this week with the returning. Producer Carl Middleman. Hi there. Great to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, Chris, even though you can't see me. Well, yeah, we can well, see. Carl, how are you? It's been a long time, and uh, you've been doing some very interesting things while you were away. Technically, I'm a first responder. Yeah. 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 We really can't get into it that much, but yeah. uh, uh, I've for the last five months, I've been helping out the St. Louis County Department of Communications. What an interesting time to be in that department. First with Corona, then with riots. Man. Wow. Man, yeah, that's what an what a what a uh, <laughs> what an interesting time to join the team. Yes, yeah, you left sure the radio you... for all that. Uh, yeah, they left the radio. He's sitting right I'm here. Right here. <laughs> oh, he was gone for five months. Uh, that is true. Yeah, that is. He's had to go through secret, super secret training. Yeah. So, as Carl mentioned, that is Chris Arps, my co-host. We can see him, but he cannot see us as he is co- as he is connected. Excuse me, He's once in a again, <laughs> yeah, through the mar- uh, marvel of modern technology. As we continue to practice proper social distancing, so Chris is at home, and we are here in the studio, and we have got a great show for you. Unfortunately, um, we talked throughout the week um, about the Libertarian president presidential candidate, Dr. Joe Jorgensen, joining us on the show today. Um, However, she was not able to do that. She uh, got, I think, I believe she was overbooked by her people um, and had some in-studio, I think she's in Minneapolis, Minnesota right now, and it had some in-studio obligations to take care of there, and she will be on the show either next week or the following week. So unfortunately, we will not be talking to Dr. Jorgensen today, but we will be in the very near future. Today on the show, we will be talking to the sheriff of Jefferson County, Sheriff Dave Marshak. A lot going on in the world of law enforcement, uh, not only here locally, but of course around the country. And Sheriff Marshak is a great person to talk to, to get some insight from the law enforcement perspective and also some insight on you know law enforcement's reaction and lawmakers reaction to everything that we are seeing around the world with the defund the police movement and everything so we're going to talk to him we'll also talk to our good friend rodney boyd rod the bod rodney boyd going to be joining us a little bit later in the show as well so we got a lot going on oh and of course the weird news challenge with skip weber so we got a packed show for you chris just before we went on the air 
you were telling me about a movement that I had not even heard of yet. And I was going to start this conversation um, kind of in the same in the same realm, but could you please tell enlighten anybody who maybe has not heard this yet with the with the latest uh, movement on the I don't even know how to say it is the, is that the protest crowd what is it who's what crowd is this movement coming out of? Well, there's been a movement that's uh, been nationwide, Tony, where we have seen repentant white people have kneeled down to uh, black people in public places and have kissed their boots or kissed their shoes or have offered to even shine their shoes. Um, a good friend of mine that worked in the Cruz campaign put a funny note about that on his Facebook page this morning. And uh, I joked with him. I said, yeah, I'm going to send you a couple of pair of shoes, and I want to get that West Point uh, shine on them. But we had a good joke about it. But this is really serious. I mean, this is kind of the mob hysteria mentality that we're seeing where where all of a sudden there are white guilt liberals that want to be repentant are doing just ridiculous things um, like that. I mean, there are different ways that you can show that um, black people may have gotten a fair shake in this country, as mm. you have, but bending down and kissing people's shoes I don't think is the, uh, is the right uh, means. So as a, as a black man— who's been involved in politics and, and lived a good 110 years on this earth. Um, <laughs> 111. Black don't crack. Um, uh, when you see things like that, how do you personally react to it? Because I've talked to, I've talked to people on both sides. I've, I've heard from people who say that it's about time that you know these type of things are happening and i've also heard from people that say this is insulting and it's pandering and i don't need a 17 year old white kid to kneel down and put his fist in the air because that just to me that just just pandering and insulting where do where do you fall on all this well tony i wanted to say that i was one of the hundreds of thousands of people that were listening to the dave glover show and the riveting uh, phone calls that were come in, coming in from black people telling their experiences. And I agree with the caller that was saying that the patronizing that's going on from some white guild liberals uh, makes you feel like you're some type of pet. And I agreed with that sentiment uh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And could you just expand on that for a little, a little bit for people who didn't hear that uh, conversation? Well, his, and, and, and Tony, you know, I'm 54 years old now and I can't remember exactly. But I mean, Dave kind of opened up the phone lines and I can't remember exactly what the question was. But a lot of people uh, black were calling in about their experiences. And he was saying that he didn't really appreciate people, a white person that 17, 18, 22, that really haven't live long enough to really have the experience and really know what it's like in some instances yeah. to be bowing the knee with a fist raised. And he was saying, um, and he was saying was patronizing. Yeah. And he was saying that, um, you know, telling black people, don't worry about it. We've got you. We understand the struggle. So we'll make sure you have a job and we'll make sure you have an education and we'll make sure you get, you know, this, this money. He was saying that's, that's being taken care of like a pet. And that's not what he that's not what he's fighting for. And that's not what he viewed as equality. If I remember that. And the thing is, Tony, we've already had that over the last 60 years, 50 years with the Great Society programs. We've poured at that time when it it, when it was it was the anniversary, I think, of 2015, 
eight trillion dollars uh, poured into great society programs of the last 50 years. And you see the carnage and mayhem that's going on in the black community. You see the statistics of out of wedlock birth and female headed households and the rate of abortion. Those are direct results of liberal policies. Programs. They have a record. Would you throw Juneteenth into that conversation? I wonder why Juneteenth is such a big deal now and why nobody cared last year. It seems to me to be one of those situations that I I understand why we celebrate it and why we recognize that day. And I think it's a great thing to recognize. But I don't think anybody would care about Juneteenth if the president hadn't happened to schedule a rally on that day. Yeah. Suddenly it became sacred ground, whereas last year and the year before that and my entire life before that, I, I, it was barely a blip on the radar. It was on your phone, it, though. It, oh, on, I've, on, I've heard of it, right. but I had— well, We heard of it five years ago when it was the 150th anniversary of it. There you go. And so it, It's not like it's a big— well, it's, but, it's a big, but it's not right. like 100, 155 is not like a milestone right. thing. Right. But I, I just don't think that the media and I don't think there would be all this um, emotion around Juneteenth had it not been for the fact that by chance the president scheduled a rally on that day. Yeah. To most black people, we understand what Juneteenth is and the importance of it, especially my parents were born and raised in Texas. And that's where the mm -hmm. last uh, war, I think, in the Civil War, where it effectively ended, was there. So I, growing up, knew what Juneteenth was. It was a, it was a big cultural uh, thing within the black community. I don't have a problem with states now. And, and in Texas, it's always been a holiday. You know, okay, it's finally beginning, begin to be uh, recognized. That's a good thing. I don't have a problem with that. My whole thing is, 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 is that solving racism? Is that making you feel better now about the country, yeah. about yourself, about your prospects <laughs> uh, for the future in this country? Or is it just mere virtue signaling? Yeah. And, and that's it, kind and of that's the issue exact, that I have with it. Yes, and that's exactly the issue that I have with it. To be clear, again, I, I it's, a, it's a great day to observe and celebrate. But for all the people that were saying, I the president I can't believe the president had the audacity to schedule this on Juneteenth. But it's also didn't in even, Tulsa. There, didn't even know. Things. Yeah, I I know, but they didn't. But none of those people cared last year or the yeah. year. But none of those people that have all of this 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 anger for this sacred day. I, I, none of them celebrated it last year. None of them went on television and said, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, we've got to we've got to observe this day last year." It's pure politics. And and let me interject one more thing. Yeah, Becky this please. morning was reading to me from her Facebook liberal friends about Juneteenth, and they were all apologizing because they didn't hadn't hadn't learned this in school and didn't recognize it and no one. They were saying that, you know, they apologized to black people. And the thing that was really ironic is one of the people is a ex school teacher. And I'm like, Well, if you didn't learn this in school, <laughs> it's because the liberals and the teacher right. unions took the took it out of the curriculum. Yeah. So you need to blame the school, the school systems if you don't know when what Juneteenth is and what and what it means. Yeah, yeah. I it just it, it if if we're going to celebrate and observe it, I think that's wonderful. But I think if we're only going to give it attention because it, it's somehow a shot at the president, that is extremely misguided. Well, I think Tony. From now on, I think you have witnessed the Juneteenth 
as a holiday around the country and to be celebrated now. I think when we look back in history, um, this is when Juneteenth, as some will think, has gotten its due. And I think now it's going to be just more and more ingrained in yeah. the culture and, and celebrated. And that's great. And that's great. I just, just the the origins of it are are purely born out of politics. We we you can't convince me that we wouldn't be talking about this, or that we would be talking wouldn't yeah that we would be talking about this had it not been for the president scheduling a rally on that day. Well, the president has to take some responsibility for that, Tony. That's a very sensitive uh, time. No, agreed. Or, or event for black people. And, and he moved to it. Yeah. Schedule it in a town where black people were massacred. For once, he had the- time that black people were emancipated is a incredible mm-hmm. PR faux pas. And, uh, and, uh, and so I, I think you can't take that aspect. No, away. I, I know. I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. See, and I, for once he and for once he actually said he didn't double down. I have backed down. For once he actually said you're right. I made a mistake and moved it, which is even more shocking because I thought he'd make the rally about <laughs> yeah. Juneteenth and we'd be yeah. rolling our eyes at that at the uh, at the in, politics in that moment, on the right. I say thank God for Ivanka Trump. Yeah, no kidding. She's the only. He's the only. She's the only one he listens to. Well, I guess if it if if it takes pure pol, I guess you can have good things born out of bad motivations and yeah. The civil rights union, civil rights laws are born out of protests and yeah, making people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, but this wasn't born out of a protest. This was born <laughs> out of we hate the president and we need another well, reason to make fun of, of it. Was, it. But it, I think you have to. The whole the reason that the whole emotion is is high about it, and people are thinking that it's kind of transparent of what they're doing is virtue signaling was all brought about from the George Floyd incident and from people protesting and burning down cities. Yeah, well, uh, it, it, like I said, hopefully the one good thing that comes out of this is that people now learn what Juneteenth is and the history behind it. And that's a very good thing. I just all those people that are trying to lecture me and you and everyone else on that right now, didn't know, didn't do that last year, and for whatever reason, they decided this was the. It showed up on right your time. phone, and you didn't know what it was. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And on Facebook this morning too, when I yeah. logged in. There you go. All right, we have got to take a break, and when we get back, we are going to talk to Sheriff Dave Marshak, the sheriff of Jefferson County. Going to talk to him about the defund the police movement and everything happening. Uh, surrounding law enforcement going on in the news right now. There's a lot to talk about, so we will get into all of it with Sheriff Marshak when we get back. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. 
Hello and welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo in studio with producer Carl Middleman this week, who's going to be in for, for a couple weeks. For the next three weeks. Oh, is it three? There three you weeks. go. I three just weeks. Found out of Carl as Frank is on vacation right now and he's got some other um he's going to be on, he's going to be Roger Brand for yeah, the next couple of weeks. He's going to be doing some other things here at the radio station that is taking him away from the show for a few weeks. So Carl has been gracious enough to come back down to the slums, Chris, and yeah. <laughs> and and work we made on you, Carl. work on the weekend report uh-huh. again. <laughs> so we certainly appreciate that, Carl. Um, and uh, Frank will be back in a few weeks. Um, as I mentioned in that last segment, right now joining us on the show, he's been on this show with us many times, and is also regular on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors, which you can hear every Saturday at three p.m., just a couple hours before the weekend report here on ninety-seven. One FM Talk, and Sundays at 6 on our sister station, KMOX. The Sheriff of Jefferson County, Sheriff J- Dave Marshak, joins us now. Sheriff, great to talk to you again. Thanks for spending some time with us. How are you? Uh, good day. Uh, glad to be here and always participate in uh, some discussions. Yeah, so there's, you know, obviously so much happening in the world right now. Uh, most of the news circulates around law enforcement. Before we dive into some specifics and, uh, you know, certain stories and issues, I wanted to ask you just what's the what's the mood of of the of the folks that work in your department the deputies and the and the people the law enforcement members that you work with on a daily basis on the streets um is this is this getting to them or is is morale still um high you know of course um you know they look at their profession as one of service uh to the community and so they can't help but to um you know, try to clear out some of the noise and some of the things that are going on. You know, these are some real discussions that um, require them to participate and be engaged uh, with kind of the good and bad of our profession. But, you know, it seems that um, the bad is being really highlighted right now. And uh, it just, uh, I think it takes control of a lot of the things that, you know, that really distorts maybe a more positive message. And so, of course, they're feeling frustrated. They're feeling a little demoralized. And uh, it's up to us as leaders to really, you know, remind them that they're a part of this community and that they're important and that their job matters. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chris. Sh- Sheriff, we're starting to see around the country uh, police officers uh, leaving SWAT teams. We're seeing police officers in Atlanta that are calling in sick. Uh, a lot of those officers fear that or believe that they haven't been given due process in some of these shootings. What do you see as the future of policing? Is If morale seems to be this bad around the country in some of these police departments, and what some would say these police officers cannot now do their jobs, what do you see as the future of policing? Give us a view of it. Well, uh, hopefully it stimulates change. I mean, you know, I, I don't think anybody would argue um, that police officers could use more training. Uh, and I think, uh, so I think you know, police departments will have to evolve. They'll have to uh, be more engaged with the community. I think it's important to share the challenges of of our position moving forward because I think the community in many ways is asking the police to do too much. Um, you know, will it stimulate uh, additional funds and resources towards uh, mental health components associated with law enforcement? Hopefully. We know that's a piece that's been missing for quite some time. Um, I will tell you that... <clears throat> 
unless we have some real conversations about our challenges when it comes to use of force, um, this will not stop. We will we'll continue to have questionable police shootings. You will always have questionable police shootings uh, when you're asking police officers to do so much and so little uh, and under incredible amounts of pressure. So it doesn't surprise me that uh, you know police officers leave specialty units that are higher risk, that have an increased propensity to use um, for lack of a better term, violence um, in affecting their positions. And uh, so it won't surprise me. I, I think the changes uh, will be a little bit more than subtle uh, because I think police officers are weighing the risks uh, associated with their position um, and the responsibility with, you know, what are the outcomes. I know there's no clear-cut way to look at any situation um, because there's always gray area there. So setting aside necessarily the Richard Brooks case um, in Atlanta, just what are the, you know, because we see so many things going on in that one situation. We see a scuffle. We see uh, a weapon being taken away from an officer and then fired at that officer. But we also see a person running away. And we see a very crowded area where firing a, 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 a gun is a very dangerous thing to do. So there's, there's so many layers to, to take into consideration. So instead of analyzing that case piece by piece, Sheriff, can you just explain to us what, at least in Jefferson County with, or here in Missouri, um, what the training poli- what the policies are, what the training teaches you when you are allowed to, or maybe supposed to, use your firearm? Well, so you brought up a, uh, several different things, so let me just uh, pinpoint a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Number one, in terms of how the courts, and I think this is one of the most important pieces, how the courts view our use of force, right? Because um, I've looked at Atlanta's use of force policy. Uh, it's eight pages under that particular case, the police officer was completely justified. Um, under our use of force policy, which is 19 pages, uh, that situation allows the police officer to use force. Now, sometimes we don't like to see police using force, and sometimes we, we don't like to um, know that the police have to use violence at times. Um, but in that particular situation, legally, the officer was justified. Now, I think as it goes through the court system, you're going to see that. But here's the most important part of use of force examinations. And this was really kind of cleared up more than 20 years ago in the Supreme Court with a case, uh, Graham versus Connor. And that is we have to look at these use of force situations that involve police officers through their lens. What did the police officer know at the time? And was it reasonable based on everything that he knows or perceives at that time? It's not uh, relevant that if we look at it in hindsight 2020, if we look at different camera views and we, you know, analysis, you know, provide analysis over periods of days, weeks, months, years, we have to look at these use of force encounters through that officer's eyes at the time he makes those decisions. And that's an important piece that I think a lot of people miss because, you know, making a decision or casting judgment sitting from your chair with a resting heart rate and saying, I would do this or I would do that is completely different than being there 
and having that increased heart rate, uh, the adrenaline push, and all the things that happen to your body at the same time, and then making those decisions. And that's what we need to educate people on because it is completely different to make a use of force decision when your heart rate is jacked up, you've just been fighting with somebody, and now to make those decisions compared to somebody who's sitting uh, behind a television screen. And I think that's an important piece we're missing. Go ahead, Chris. You know, Sheriff, one of the casualties from the recent controversial shooting uh, is police shows like Cops, and there's even been criticism of the children's show Paw Patrol. Um, what's your opinion on that? And do you think sh- shows like Cops, did they shed the police in a positive or a negative light? I think both. I, I mean, if, I think if we're being realistic, I, mean, you, you, I don't watch those shows, by the way. Um, so <laughs> I watch a lot of Paw Patrol with my three-year-old. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest about that. I, but I think we need to be realistic that the police are human. I, listen, I've, I've both worked with and supervised uh, you know, the quote, bad police officers. I've, you know, um, they're a poor reflection of what we want from our police in the community. And I think those uh, television shows uh, show some realistic, um, the realities of our job is that you're going to have good police officers. You're going to have bad police officers. You can tell from those shows that there are police officers who are um, really uh, empowered by wearing their badge or their position or that position of authority. Um, I've seen it. I've witnessed it. So, you know, that's kind of the reality is that we have these police officers out there that maybe don't shine the best light. You know, at the same time, uh, shows like that uh, are also positive because, you know, we do see good police officers. We see police officers who are risking their personal safety uh, for their community. Uh, We see, you know, sometimes uh, the realistic response to uh, crime and injuries and uh, the sad things that uh, police officers deal with in their community. So, you know, it's sad that uh, uh, these reality shows in some ways are, are being pulled from the air because I think it's important that the community recognize some of the things that these officers are doing every single day. Sheriff, you touched on it, and I, I agree completely with the idea that officers need more training. I I also like things like dash cams and body cams just for transparency purposes. I'm I'm all for uh, all of those things. I th- I think I read it. I think I on this show and last week on Second Amendment Radio, it, Sheriff, and I think when you and I were talking, also read a quote from Bernie Sanders who I thought was spot on in this situation when he said that he wants a a, a well-trained, well-educated, well-paid law enforcement community because that is the type of people that you know the that have the education and the training and are well-paid professionals that are going to do uh, the best job. You're never going to be able to get rid of every bad egg. You, you know that just happens in in every walk of life. There's always a small percentage of bad people. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. You're never going to be able to get rid of all of them, but you will be able to, I think, make positive strides by doing those things. Um, We are also seeing now some cities like Albuquerque, New Mexico, is creating a team of unarmed social workers that will now be responding to certain 911 calls. So instead of the police going out for these calls, they're going to send these unarmed social workers, and they're going to respond to calls on inebriation, homelessness, addiction, and mental health. 
What do you think of the idea of not sending the police on certain 911 calls and sending social workers instead? Is that a is that part of this positive change, or is that not a good step? Uh, well, here's what's going to happen, uh, because I've been to a number of calls uh, that were dispatched as one thing or um, came out as a low priority, and you arrive on scene and something tragic happens once or twice a year. Uh, a police officer will respond to a call for 911 and somebody will commit suicide in front of them. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think we have to be realistic about uh, what we're asking of these people. Who's going to take that job, right? Um, and so, you know, while it sounds good in theory, and I, I think law enforcement is asked to do too much, uh, and I think there probably could be a component of um, public service that we dispatch non commissioned police officers to. I think we also have to be realistic about the challenges that are posed. And look, these social workers don't think for two seconds they're not going to be victims of violence uh, because they still represent um, a government entity. They still represent um, public safety in some fashion. Authority. So it's just a, it's just a matter of time in which uh, they're going to be the victims, and uh, they're not going to be prepared for it. So I would ask you, who's going to do this job? So. Uh, this social worker, and what's that pay scale going to look? Because we should talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. We are talking to Jefferson County Sheriff Dave Marshak. Go ahead, Chris. You know, Sheriff, another uh, casualty uh, from the George Floyd controversial shootings happening may be a, a concept called qualified immunity. Um, it's right now before the Supreme Court. I think they're deciding on it. Um, give us laypersons the the uh, definition of uh, qualified immunity uh, from a police officer's perspective. Well, I think here's the, you know, that's a, <clears throat> a qualified immunity is obviously a hot topic right now. But let me tell you what qualified immunity does and doesn't do. Qualified immunity is there to protect government officials, not just police officers, right? It mm-hmm. is there to protect government officials in the capacity that they are doing their government business. It does not protect police officers who are violating constitutional rights and violating the Fourth Amendment of seizures on people. And so that is kind of some bad information that's out there on qualified immunity. But the truth of qualified immunity is as a police officer has to make incredible decisions throughout his day. And as long as he's following his policies and procedures and approved standards, state statute, constitutional protections, he is protected. And so uh, uh, therein lies the issue is that some people will suggest because he has qualified immunity, he cannot be held responsible. And that is not the case. The police officer must violate the constitutional laws of uh, rights of somebody before qualified immunity can be in there. You look like you had a Thanks. follow-up, Chris. I didn't. And you, no, I, no. Uh, you're good. All right. What about? Oh, what, I got, oh go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Please go ahead. Your question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, go for it. But you know, again, just to just to be clear on that, qualified immunity does not protect police officers that are violating constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you're talking about a very small um, defense of qualified immunity on use of force cases where it's ever injected. Uh, and that's to protect the officer from the civil liability part. No, no. My final question. I just wanted to ask. You know, we're running out of time, Tony. But yeah, how do we improve relations between the public and police so that we get rid of that distrust and and bring our nation together and help heal the nation? 
Well, I mentioned this before on the radio. You know, I, I think for law enforcement, that's going to be a real challenge. We need the community's help. Uh, this is a partnership. You know, in many ways, uh, after 2014 in Ferguson, police departments thought they were doing better. I mean, um, they, you know, it, this is always a struggle to increase uh, the recruitment of minorities. It has been for decades. We continue to uh, seek, you know, diversity in terms of hiring and retention. Um, I think that's part of it. But I think moving forward, there are going to be some real challenges. As I said, uh, law enforcement agencies across the country thought they were doing a really good job, a proactive job of being better uh, stewards of the community. And I think many of them, uh, in some ways, like me, scratching our heads, wondering what can we do to build that bridge, because clearly uh, it's not good enough. Sheriff, uh, what about Trump's executive order as far as making some changes the in reform to policing? Were you uh, supportive of what the president put in that order? Do you think that those are proper steps? Yeah, first of all, I think if uh, your use of force policy didn't already address chokeholds and a ah. duty to intervene, mm-hmm. uh, you were you know kind of negligent in your own policies. I think you know we've had those in our policies for decades, and so. I think it's an important step moving forward. I think there's going to have to be additional conversations uh, about our expectations of police, and we do need to hold police to a high standard. Uh, So I'm always willing to do that. But let's be honest about all the challenges they face at the same time. That is Dave Marshak, the sheriff of Jefferson County. Great information, great insight as always, Sheriff. We really appreciate your time today, and I'm sure we'll be checking with uh, back in with you real, real soon. Stay safe and yeah, thanks for everything you do. Have a very good day and have a good weekend. Yeah, back Thank at you, you, Sheriff. Thank you, Sheriff. All right, we got to take a quick break. More weekend report coming up. Don't go anywhere. 97.1 FM Talk. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. I'm sitting in a tree, seeds swinging in the breeze. I'm looking at the blue sky, smelling it so sweet. My pretty little angel. My pretty Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo in studio with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. My partner Chris Arps is at home as we continue to practice proper social distancing. Big thank you to the Sheriff of Jefferson County, Sheriff Dave Marchak, for joining us in that last segment. Chris, a lot of good insight and information from the sheriff in uh, in that discussion. Love having Sheriff Marshak on. He's very direct. He uh, doesn't mince a lot of words and tell you, tells you how it is. It's always refreshing to have a guest on like that. Yeah. What do you think about that idea that I brought up to him about what they're doing in Albuquerque, um, creating this team of unarmed social workers to respond to certain 911 calls? Uh, You heard the sheriff say that he thinks that that is a very dangerous proposition, that those social workers uh, will undoubtedly uh, be the victim of violence if, you know, if they go forward with this task force. What are your thoughts on, on that type of police reform? I think it's very dangerous. I think that the people that they're going to be encountering are are going to be people with serious mental illnesses, people that may have hidden knives or or weapons. 
Um, I think the police are the ones that are equipped to handle those situations. Maybe they need more training from social workers to uh, do their job. But to send in social workers in those types of situations, I think, is a recipe for a disaster. Yeah. Training police officers in those areas, maybe even sending a social worker along with police officers on certain calls those are conversations that I can that I that I think are worth having but just sending an unarmed social worker to a 911 call about addiction or mental health or inebriation which are which are the things that uh, this uh, task force says they will be responding to I'm not just picking those topics out of thin air those are the type of 911 calls they're going to be responding to uh, seems extremely dangerous to me as well. Uh, well, we have a few minutes left in this last segment of this hour. I uh, want to dive into something. Don't forget, uh, we have a whole second hour coming up. We'll play the Weird News Challenge with Skip Weber. We'll also talk to Rodney Boyd in the next segment. Uh, Supreme Court made some news this week. Let's start with uh, the DACA ruling. Um, I think this I think this ruling by the Supreme Court was not reported accurately by the majority of the media. Uh, it was reported that the Supreme Court, you know, swatted down or, you know, got, flushed Trump's uh, DACA attempts. To, and that's not exactly right. What they did is they said, uh, yes, you can get rid of Barack Obama's executive order on DACA. You just didn't do it right. You didn't follow the right procedure. So if you want to do it again, follow the right procedure. They just said you didn't do it right. They didn't say you can't do it. They didn't uphold DACA. They just said the way that the president uh, went about uh, undoing Barack Obama's executive order was improper procedure. Uh, What did you think about what do you think about uh, that ruling? I think ultimately what we need to keep in question is that Barack Obama's executive order granting amnesty for DACA children was basically unconstitutional. There is a separation of uh, powers between the three branches of government. Congress is the one that makes laws, not the president of the United States. He signs them into action. But he unilaterally changed immigration law with this executive order. And And it's blatantly unconstitutional. And why the Supreme Court is sending it back to them saying, hey, you need to rewrite it or whatever, it's inherently unconstitutional from the beginning right and all this is just doing is just delaying it so that congress can somehow find a compromise and allow these children to stay that's the political aspect of it but from a strictly constitutional standpoint it's illegal yeah and that was exactly clarence thomas's dissent if you read it that was the basis of uh of his dissent he was one of the the justices that um uh, voted in the minority, and that's exactly what he said. It was unconstitutional to begin with, so what are we doing? What I'm afraid of is it, is the court just, in my opinion, strengthened the already um, <laughs> debatable overpower of the executive branch with executive orders. They just exactly. They just made executive orders even stronger. That's the whole thing about executive orders is that they can be undone by the next president fairly easily, which means that if you want a law that's going to last, you have to follow the proper channels and go through Congress. This just made executive orders, in my opinion, a lot stronger, and I don't like that. Yeah, it's made them stronger because they're hard to get rid of now. Yeah. And you've got to— And I don't like that from either side. Yeah, you have to watch every jot and tittle 
And that's one thing that I was saying yesterday. I said the Democrats should be worried about this, this usurping of power, giving so much more to the executive branch and the legislative. What if the president signed an executive order tomorrow saying I outlaw abortion um, federally? You know, then is it going to get the same treatment where it goes through the courts and it's an executive order and we have to delay it? You have to write it correctly, overturn it. So I think they should be very worried, especially Democrats in Congress, that the Supreme Court has given the the, uh, executive branch more of their uh, power. What about the other uh, ruling that got a lot of headlines this week? The Supreme Court added gay and transgender individuals to protections provided by Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which protects people from sexual discrimination as well as discrimination based on race, color, religion, or national origin. Uh, They've now just added uh, LGBT to that existing law. What did you think of that decision? I think it's a stretch. All of the legal experts say it's a stretch the way that it's interpreting it. I said many times that I think that we have lost, conservatives have lost the cultural war when it comes to homosexuality and transgenderism. I think at this point we have to reverse our fight and try to be able to worship our God and have our ways without it being uh, told that it's discriminatory if we believe that homosexuality is bad. So this ruling doesn't surprise me. Um, once uh, gay marriage was approved by Supreme Court, um, they couldn't have some. They couldn't allow you to discriminate against them uh, in the workplace. So I think it was just a, a natural thing that was going to happen anyway. Yeah, it, I personally don't mind, and, and and I know Brett Kavanaugh, and and I think some of the other uh, uh, dissent opinions on this echo what my personal opinion is: is that. I understand that you that you want to put protections in for these uh, people, and I agree with that, but I don't agree with just adding it into an existing law. If you want to make that a law, then make it a law. Go through the process of making the law. I don't like the precedent being set of we can – instead of doing all the hard work that it takes and the process of making a new law, let's just find an old law and let's just make a quick change to it. I, I don't I don't like that precedent being set. I agree, and you and I could probably differ on that. We don't have time to debate any of that. But I, I agree with the protections. <laughs> I agree with the protections that it affords LGBT people. I just don't like – the I just don't like the precedent set of instead of making a new law, just let's just find an old law and let's just make a quick change to it. I, I, I don't I don't like that. Uh, I don't like that. And precedent. I think once again, Tony, what it shows is the tremendous power of the Supreme Court and the chief justice, just like chief justice rewrote the Obamacare law and made it legal. Um, these folks rewrote uh, existing law so they could expand rights yeah. uh, to allow uh, the non-discrimination of uh, gay and lesbian people. All right, not we saying have... that's wrong, but right. you know, if we're a country that's a, the uh, law rule of law, then we should do rule all rule of law for everything. Yeah. All right, we've got to wrap up this first hour, but we have an entire second hour what? of the weekend report coming up. We will play the Weird News Challenge with our friend Skip Weber. It's going to be the Father's Day edition Uh-oh. of the Weird News Challenge, so don't miss that. And in the next segment, we'll start hour number two with our friend Rodney Boyd, host of Insider Talk. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Yeah. Yeah.
powerful as Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Yes, indeed. It's hour number two of the Weekend Report on your radio. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. If you missed anything in that first hour, make sure you download our podcast. You can get our podcast just about anywhere that you download podcasts. But the best place to do so, in my opinion, is the Radio.com app. Radio.com app is free. Once you have it, it's basically one-stop shopping for everything here at the radio station. You can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio with the brand-new Radio Rewind feature. And you can download the podcast of this and every other show on the station. Again, all for free right there on the Radio.com app. You can download the Weekend Report podcast. And you can download the podcast of Insider Talk, hosted by Rodney Boyd, every Sunday at noon. And Rodney is one of the very few in-studio guests that we have had (laughs) in months. Rodney was coming by the radio station today, so we took advantage of the fact that he was going to be in the building and uh, had him uh, come in and join us. So great to see you, my friend. How are you doing? Good to be here. Good to be with you uh, through various mediums, Chris. Yeah. Chris is still doing uh, social distancing, and he's connected at home. Rodney is the insider of insiders, so we have to make all accommodations and all changes (laughs) necessary. I will say this, Rodney. We were supposed to, in this segment talk to Dr. Joe Jorgensen, who is the Libertarian presidential candidate. I didn't tell him that. Yeah. And she canceled on us last minute. Wow. And so, yeah, so you are. If if I can fill in for any presidential candidate, (laughs) it is my honor. Did you know that there was another Joe running for president? I I did not. And Dr. Joe Jorgensen is a a woman, by the way. So just so, yes. Josephine? So there's no confusion. Do we not know? I'm not sure, actually. We'll find that by next week by the time she's on. So she'll come back. She'll come back. Okay. Her people overbooked her. What an honor to fill in for a presidential candidate. Well, it's always an honor to talk to you my friend, and uh, we have got a lot to talk about. In the last hour, we had Sheriff Dave Marshak on, the sheriff of Jefferson County. Got some great insight and information from him uh, from a law enforcement perspective about all of the different uh, news stories surrounding the law enforcement industry. So if you missed any of that discussion, make sure you download that podcast. Um, I wanted to talk to you, Rodney, at least here at the beginning, about some other issues that we are dealing with as we continue to see this election year. Of course, we will be you know, voting for governor here in the state of Missouri. Yes. There's a lot going on in local politics as well, aside from um, the protest and civil unrest that has dominated the headlines here lately. Um, that aside, is there any is there anything shaping up as we get closer and closer to election day as far as Missouri politics is concerned is there a a battle on the horizon is the governor's race still the one-sided thing that everybody thinks it is or is um is uh Galloway making some 
progress in her attempt to unseat the governor? What's going so, on? So, so I think if there's anything that is sort of galvanizing people, and this is more imminent than in November when you get to actually voting on governor, it's the Medicaid expansion uh, conversation. Mm. Uh, there are now, you know, millions of dollars pouring into the pro we got to expand cause. But uh, there has now been uh, propped up and with some potential resources and opposition force. And so the question is going to be uh, in an era where you got a pandemic and health care is on everyone's mind, whether it's a direct situation or periphery. Do voters in August rush to the polls on all, and, and vote to expand Medicaid, no matter what it costs, no matter how you have to pay for it, no matter what consequences? Or the, the thing that people are watching is in the next six weeks, can this opposition force put some ads up to say, wait a minute, let's not run too fast into a situation that could cause the state to have to make cuts in other areas that you all care about? So I think that's one that I'm watching acutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's more imminent. When it comes to Nicole Galloway, I think what, what will be interesting is you mentioned, and this was the conventional wisdom, even uh, March 1, hey, this is going to be a landslide mm-hmm. for, for Parson. He's doing everything he can. And I think for the most part, there's polling. And I'm not I I think polling is an indicator. I don't think polling tells me anything that's going to happen. I think it's an indicator. You pay attention. You maybe modify. So the indications are that the race is going to be tighter than it would have been. But for a bunch of other factors. Why? Because I think that does coronavirus play a fact uh, factor in that does. Do you think that it depends on which coronavirus you're talking about? Are you talking about the one we're going through now or the purported phase two? Well, we which, haven't gotten you know, to yeah. phase two, so let's deal so, with the one we've had now. Do you think that the Missouri, do you think the citizens of the state, by and large, obviously you can find people on both sides, but by and large, do you think they support the way the governor has handled the situation or do you think it's done some damage to Thank his you for the qualifying phrase, by and large, because yeah. by and large, I think he gets a passing grade. Yeah. Really. I think there are enough people in the state that didn't want too much state overreach, mm-hmm. didn't want the governor telling them where they could or couldn't go. I think he, in this particular state, not the other 49, I think he handled it from this state's perspective. He gets a passing grade. Mm-hmm. I think that the numbers are down uh, in, a, in an appreciable way. So his timing was good on ending his stay-at-home shelter-in-place restrictive orders. Uh, on to the point I was making about the second wave. So if let's say there's a second wave and everybody, the science, the doctors, the, the medical folks are, are saying it's all but certain. Right. Um, when if it's in October, if it hits Halloween weekend and everybody starts to get sick, it will have an impact on the election from turnout and other variables. But even then, I, I'll make a prediction and I think Mike Parson wins. And I'll tell you why. Because there's a there's still a lot of Missouri that just appreciates, you know, what he offers in that office right now. And Ms. Galloway hasn't had the ability to, I think, in my opinion, to, to, to offer some concrete alternative that people want. Right. She's got a few issues, abortion, guns. But those things, when you get to the election day, those aren't motivators to get people to say, you know, I want to change the new governor because. So I think unless there's something that happens between now and November where the Galloway camp gets an issue that is a clear line of demarcation where people go, got to have her as our governor. And, and that's that's a that's a very high hill to climb. So mm-hmm. I, I think Mike Parson is done enough to uh, show he's the kind of leader that most of Missouri, and I'm not talking about in the city of St. Louis or city of Kansas City, I'm, I'm being broader, think, you know, he, he's, he's done a, yeah. a, a good enough job for us to reelect him. Go ahead, Chris. Right. I want to go uh, national politics with you for a minute and talk about this very interesting uh, race to become Joe Biden's running mate. 
Um, we had an you interesting read my mind. development. You read my huh? mind, my friend. You read my What's mind. That? You read my mind. Oh, I, I we had an interesting development this. where the Nancy Klobuchar, senator from Minnesota, bowed out graciously. I think she knew the handwriting on the wall that she wasn't going to win it. But the candidates that we have left are Stacey Abrams, who has admitted that she hasn't been talked to. You've got the mayor of Atlanta. You've got the former sheriff from Florida, who's a congresswoman, who a BLM member said he could never support her because she was a police officer. And then you have former national security advisor Susan Rice. Uh, Which one of those women do you think will get the nomination? And I'm still sticking with my guess for Elizabeth Warren because she appeals to the Bernie voters, and I, I don't think they can afford to uh, to lose them. So I think the list you described is a working list. You left off uh, a very prominent person, and that is Senator Kamala Harris, who is still— Yes, Kamala Harris, who, is who still, has issues with criminal justice reform as well from her past. Yeah, she's, Forgot her. she's still in play. She's still being vetted. Uh, it's very kind of you, Chris Arps, to say that uh, uh, the, uh, the the senator, uh, Klobuchar, that she gracefully withdrew. There was no path, okay? She, <laughs> I mean, she she refused to issue charges against police officer Calvin in a, in a case in her jurisdiction when she was a prosecuting district attorney. So there was no pathway for her. In fact, that would have been the death blow to the Biden ticket in many uh, subsets of society. So I appreciate you giving her the the, the very kind <laughs> refrain that she bowed out gracefully. Her name's Amy, by the way, yeah, Chris. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Amy Klobuchar. Nancy. Nancy. Oh, he's, got the, he's got the Pelosi and stuff. And Senator he's Klobuchar, po- uh, when she made that announcement, said that Joe Biden should select a woman of color. And that has been a refrain that has come from within a certain wing, not the left, far left, but from a certain wing in the Democratic apparatus that it is time to put an African-American woman on the ticket. He, here's the deal. I think Joe Biden boxed himself in. You will History will determine if it was wise when he said he was going to put a woman on the ticket. Not because I don't believe there are qualified women to be vice president, but I think what you really want to do is to not box yourself in. He could have done that and never said it. You don't always have to sort of telecast what you're going to do. Uh, he hasn't gone so far to cross the Rubicon to say, and it will be black, right? Uh, but I think he's looking at uh, Kamala very seriously because, one, she is a favorite of, uh, uh, I think, my opinion. I don't have any data, but I think she's a favorite of Barack Obama. He was very big on her when he was president and she became U.S. Senate uh, senator. Um, I think that— And he said she was fine, too. Yeah, he said she was the most attractive attorney general or whatever. <laughs> I think I, I, he, he only said that once, so I think Michelle had a little ch- chat exactly. with him about two minutes later. <laughs> But but so I think. But the, does she? Which one of those candidates gets the votes? Which I, one of those pa- candidates have the most impact so on the campaign? Kamala got Kamala has criminal justice issues from her past yeah. as well, like yeah. saying, like Amy Klobuchar. I agree. I don't think I Listen, don't think Senator Harris helps if, him. If you're trying to get around the the issue Chris has raised about the bringing in former prosecutors who to, who trample over this whole idea of a new way for the far left and the progressives, you 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 take Kamala out, you take. Uh, Val Val Demings Den, out, yeah. you know, and then you're left with you know the mayor of Atlanta. I think that's a a bridge too far for a lot of people. And then Stacey Abrams. So Stacey Abrams for him becomes the safest. Now, even though you said they haven't talked to her, she is being vetted. She's on the list of people that they're doing intensive background search. So. Uh, I think at the end of the day, we come out of this thing with one or two people. I think it's either going to be Kamala Harris or Stacey Abrams. And I think there's going to be a real debate within the uh, Biden team about 
the day one question or the heartbeat away question. And here's why. With all due respect, we hope everybody lives to be however old they can, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're 77, the heartbeat away matters. Mm -hmm. So I think what people are going to look at, not just is who gets past the Black Lives Matter perspective test, but who would be ready? Uh, if something was to happen, God forbid, yeah. on day one, and I think that pushes a I bunch think you of people. have a you make it's a very hard case to make to the swing voter, the yeah. the middle of the road voter that a candidate like Stacey Abrams is, is ready, ready to take, to take over, over as one. president on day. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. And since we're not playing short term ball here, this is the second most important position in the country. I think it bodes well. Here's what I think they do, Chris. I think with Kamala Harris to try to inoculate her from the stench of she was a former prosecutor and she was an attorney general and blah, blah. I think they surround her with the Obamas. I think she's often seen in company with Michelle and Barack on the campaign trail. I think they sort of offer themselves as a sort of uh, a cover, if you will, for any sort of uh, injustice. Sin. But Rodney, are the twenty-something millennial Black Lives Matter people that are out marching in the streets? They're like they—they they don't compromise. They have a hard time throwing stones if Michelle's on the stage with you. They just do. She's a bit of a she's a bit of a matriarch for the movement without really being connected to the specific issue. Mm. She has a matriarchic status. I think that what that will cover if they choose to go with Kamala. You're going to see a lot of Kamala and Obama's sort of moving in the same space, being introduced by. So does it get over the, uh, the the tension? I don't know. Yeah. That is Rodney Boyd. He is the host of Insider Talk. You can hear it every Sunday at noon right here on 97.1 FM Talk. What is on the show tomorrow on I'm Father's ver- Day? I'm, I'm very excited. Father's Day, we're talking to someone who I have the greatest respect for in, in legal civil rights, a gentleman named Michael Middleton. Michael Middleton was a distinguished professor of criminal law at the University of Missouri. He was also the first African-American uh, professor at the University of Missouri-Columbia Law School, first tenured, and he was the second African-American person to graduate from the institution. He's been around mm-hmm. civil justice, civil rights for many, many decades. The documentary was just released about his life. I had a chance to watch it. In between tears, I was texting him saying, wow, wow. didn't know that, wow, didn't know that. And, and so it was uh, Mike Middleton. That sounds like an amazing discussion. It is always a great discussion, Sundays at noon. Insider Talk with Rodney Boyd. Rodney, thanks for your time. Thank you, guys. We'll see you soon. All right, we've got to take a quick break. Weird News Challenge. When we get back, we can report. 97.1 FM Talk. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. If you lose me, you lose everything. She said, if you Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Big thank you to Rodney Boyd for joining us in that last segment. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman, who is filling in for Frank Ladd for the next few weeks. Great to have Carl back in studio. Chris Arps, of course, is still connected to his home there as we continue to practice proper social distancing. And as I mentioned in that last segment, joining us now as it is time for the Weird News Channel. 
challenge is our good good friend Skip Weber from Weber Chevrolet. Skip, what's up? How are you guys doing? I'm doing well, and I want to tell you I'm ready to get back in the studio. I'm yeah. done with this. Yeah. I don't care what your social distancing uh, strategy <laughs> is. I can stay six feet away from you in that studio. Yes, you can. Like You're six it. feet tall. So. <laughs> no, I'm not so, laying down. Right, not exactly. Laying down. I don't take up six feet of floor space when I'm standing. Yeah, he's closer to seven <laughs> feet than six feet. And so, don't yeah. let you come in with a space suit. <laughs> I would do that. If that got me into the studio instead of on the phone, I would do that. Well, I'll tell you what. You got more stroke around this place than I do, Skip, so oh, yeah. you can make that happen. No, I don't. I can't even talk to anybody. Our oh, boss sent out a thing yesterday saying how awesome you were. Yeah. Becky, Becky, the vice president and market manager, sent out a thing thanking Skip Weber for being so awesome yesterday to All the right. entire intercom community. There you go. Well, Skip Weber is current. awesome. No doubt about that. So there you go. Use that momentum, Skip. Maybe you I should get, I should get an extra win. I yeah. should get an extra win on the weird news uh, challenge. That's not how. That's not how that's it not works. How it works. <laughs> um, we do want to say we mentioned it earlier, but we want to say once again, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. It, it will be tomorrow, as you're hearing this, of course. And uh, so, Happy Father's Day to everyone who is listening. And Tony, yes. today is my 22nd wedding anniversary. Oh, I'm well, spending it with you, people, Carl. Well, yes, the I'm lovely, it with you the people. lovely Mrs. The Intern yeah. is uh, <laughs> made her biggest mistake in life 22 years ago. Celebrating <laughs> the deuce, deuce. That's 1988, great. September 20th. It was yeah, for deuce, you. Deuce. That's awesome. It, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and because it is Father's Day this weekend, we are, for the first time in a long time, not going to play a traditional a edition of the Weird News Challenge. We are going to do the Father's Day edition of the Weird News Challenge. It's been a while since we've had one of uh, the special episodes, so uh, this should be a whole lot of fun. What do we have here today? We I have... think it's been a, uh, a month since the Mother's Day edition. Is yeah. Did, did we, we do even do it? I don't even know if we did a Mother's remember. Day edition. Yeah, I, it's been I a while. I don't remember. It has definitely been a while. Uh, this week we have six questions. There are two multiple point questions. And then, of course, we have the tiebreaker if we need it. And at the very end, the QMD, the question of mass destruction, which ensures an automatic victory if someone is able to answer the very difficult QMD. So no matter who has won or who is leading at that point, who appears to have won the game, at the very, very end, it can all be stolen away by the QMD. So this is the Father's Day edition. The Katie Fitzpatrick rule is not in effect. You can buzz in anytime you like with your buzzers, which we will test now. Chris Arps. Skip Weber. Carl Middleman. Carl. There it is. Very, very similar. Other producers have the most bland Yeah, very buzzers. similar to Frank's. Frank. <laughs> Frank, by the way, is on a, was on a roll. He took this time off at the wrong time for his uh, Weird News Challenge momentum. Uh, he's won, I think, two in a row. And three weeks ago, he had I, won. I won last week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I won last week. Did you win last week? <laughs> I won last week, yeah. Oh. You know what? I think I have to make a scoring change. Uh-oh. Did you? <laughs> okay. Skip knows when Skip he won. Skip there and Frank to there. Never mind. Frank is not on. Never mind. Frank left at exactly the right time because he's on a losing streak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Skip, you know what? You won last week. It, it was a milestone, and and it was the thirtieth victory for wow. you. First cool. ever person to thirty 
victories in the Weird News Challenge. So congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, here we go. It is the Father's Day edition of the Weird News Challenge. It's episode 84. Ooh. Question number one. The nation's first Father's Day was celebrated on June 19th, 1910. However, it was not until 1972 that the day honoring fathers became a nationwide holiday in the United States. Who was the president that officially... Holy smokes. I got it. I was early. It was a three-way... Oh, I was way ahead of, I was way ahead of Chris <laughs> on that. No way. It was a three-way tie. So Carl's out because the tie is always going to go to the delay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of the guys on the phone. I'm going to say that the phone delay is slightly behind the Skype delay. So Skip Weber, go ahead. Richard Milhouse Nixon. That is correct. <laughs> Skip. I, I got to make up. I didn't make up. That's all right. Uh, scoreboard. We all would have known that Let one. Let me do that. There we go. Chris, you Skip, knew that you one, right? Point. In all the actuality, the Skype delay is slower than the phone delay. But I just, I'm not complaining. <laughs> you didn't like how I ciphered that out? <laughs> no. You know what? You're probably the Skype delay is way you're slower prob- than the phone delay. You're probably right about that. <clears throat> oh, well. <clears throat> Question number two. No bad reasoning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you're probably right on that. Three-way tie. What are you going to do? Question number two. What is the official flower of Father's Day? Oh, now everybody jumping at this one, eh? (laughs) Chris Arps. I'm going to say the uh, poppy. That is incorrect. Ding, 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 ding. Skip Weber. I'm going to guess. I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess the carnation. That is incorrect as well. Carl, you wanna take a shot yeah. at it? I will take a shot since it doesn't matter. I'm gonna yeah. say roses. It is the rose. Oh, the rose. Oh. The rose <laughs> is the Day. official Out flower of, my butt. of Father's Day. And a good point there made by Carl. I should have said that at the beginning. If you buzz in and you get the uh, answer right, you get the point. If you don't get it right, you don't lose anything because we encourage participation here at the Weird News Challenge. Question number three. Uh, I need two names to get one point. Mm. You'll understand when I ask the question, but I need both. I need two names to get this one point on this question. The only father-daughter collaboration to hit the top spot on the Billboard pop music chart was the 1967 hit single... Carl. Yes. Frank and Nancy Sinatra. That is correct. Oh, good for you. Something stupid? Something stupid by what two people? Frank and Nancy Sinatra. The only father-daughter collaboration to ever hit the top. What about Unforgettable by Natalie and Nat? I just read the questions when I look at them on the internet. Skip, what do you think about that? What did Unforgettable hit? I think that was a number one song, too. Mm, I, but the, the, he was dead. Yeah, <laughs> all I know is I, think I there's probably a caveat for that. Yeah, all I know yeah. is I googled Father's Day trivia, and that was one of the questions. <laughs> so, all right, there you go. All right, uh, once again, same deal here for question number four, and then questions five and six are both multiple point answers. Okay. Uh, question number four. Once again, I need two names for one point. Very similar to the last question. Who are the only father-son combination? To ever hit back-to-back home runs in a major league baseball game. Mm. Oh, ding, 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 ding. Skip Weber. 
All right, this is a guess, but they, I know that they played some at the same time. I'm going to say Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. That is correct. I Ken Griffey gone. Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. hit back-to-back home runs in a game once. That is incredible. I was going to go with Bobby. Or what's the guy that yeah. played for Pittsburgh? Bobby and Barry Bonds. That's the, 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 yeah. Those are the two. That's who I was going yeah. with. Yeah, the, the, those are the two to but kind Bobby of pick was from. Long. Bobby was retired, though. Before yeah, Barry was right. Yeah, yeah he, was. he was. He was. He was a cardinal for a brief bit, and then he, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. But those are the I think those are the two father son combinations yeah. that pop into everybody's mind. Right. Right. Uh, right. All right. So Skip has two points. Carl has two points. Chris is just waiting for his opportunity. <laughs> points. I'm waiting for the master disaster question. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that how you won like a month ago? He did. He did. He stole the game from Frank a few weeks ago on the QMD. All right. Here we go. Question number five. There is two points on the line in this one. This one also deals with father-son combinations. So once again, I need the two people to get one point and then two people to get the other point. I hope that makes sense. Okay. I need four yep. names for the two points. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Who are the only two father-son combinations to be elected president? Carl. 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 Sorry. You have John Adams and John Quincy Adams. That is correct. And George Herbert Walker Bush and George W. Bush. That is correct as well. All right. Question number six. Chris, you should have known that one. Question number six is a three. You're too quick for me. (laughs) Question number six is a three-point question. So Skip can still catch and even pass Carl. Mm. Um, Chris cannot. I can win. No, you can't. No, Carl has four points. That's all right. You you can play spoiler here, though, my friend, and wait for the QMD. (laughs) Question number six, three points on the line. Father's Day is the fourth most popular holiday for holiday-slash-greeting cards. Carl. Ding, 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 ding. Carl. Mother's Day. Yep, that's one. Christmas. That's number one. And... Does it matter? You've already won? It doesn't matter. Um, uh, Let's say... Another holiday with cards. Father's Day, Mother's Day... For the, I guess, yeah. Easter. Nope. No. Ding, Anybody? Ding, 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 Go ding, ahead, ding, Skip. I'll take it. Yep. Valentine's Day. Valentine's oh, Day is that damn, last point. That's not a real holiday. That is correct. <laughs> they killed me on that. All right. You're right. Carl <laughs> has won the game 6-3 to three to 0. Not yet. Um, <laughs> the tiebreaker, had we have needed it, just for fun, how many dads are there in the United States? Just take a guess at it. How many dads are there in the United States? Hundred million. Okay. Uh, that's a, that's a good. I will, say, uh, a, I will say seventy million. Okay. I would go hundred and ten million. It is seventy-three million fathers Skipper. in the United States. Wow. Skip would have gotten the tiebreaker. All right, here we go. QMD. This is your chance to stop Carl. Destroy Carl, everything. of course, you can still buzz in uh-huh. and uh, get the question yourself mm-hmm. uh, for an automatic win. According to stats from 2019, last year, within $5, how much does the average American spend on Father's Day? Within $5. Chris Arps. $100. No. No. Sorry, sir. Skip Weber. I'm going to say you, you said more, 120 dollars. 
Incorrect. Way too high. I know people spend more on Mother's Day than they do Father's What's Day. What's your guess? I'm going to say... Within five? Forty dollars. Skip Weber was too low. One hundred and thirty-nine dollars wow. the average American spends on Father's Day. QMD does not get answered, which means Woo! Carl Middleman That's number five. and his return to the game has won the weird news challenge. Congratulations. And Carl also just that is number five. It's cheap cheap Father's Day's gifts. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very hey, good point. I'm the eldest of five. Uh, my father did okay. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, Skip, what is happening at Weber Chevrolet? Well, um, we're rolling right along, man. June is going really, really good. It's almost like uh, we were never closed. That's great. Yeah. You know, uh, except for the fact that our lots are starting to look a little bit empty. Not anywhere close to uh, panic levels. But just lower than normal. Yeah, I I wanted but to ask you about that because we got a few vehicles this week. This week, yeah, the we pipeline has trickled on. That's good because I remember there was they shut down right. GM yeah, shut, down shut down for, for a period yeah, of time. Yeah. So right. is that has that catching up with you guys? Oh yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's it's, it's horrible because um, we normally get a lot of stuff in, and you know it's harder to sell without the units on the lot because. Um, the more vehicles you have, when people search online for a vehicle, that's the more potential hits you have. Mm-hmm. If I've got one Silverado and somebody searched for a Silverado, that's one potential. If I got forty, then that's forty forty times that that vehicle can can come up. You know, so those all. But everybody's in the same boat. So I think we're better than most because we started with most more, yeah. more more vehicles than everybody else. I mean, and with three locations, but we're still getting down. I mean, we're not going to ever sell out. But you know um, the good. The great thing about it, though, is we received vehicles this week. So I think mm-hmm. our gamble to keep our prices low stayed the same. I mean, I, I've monitored it. There's tons of dealers that raise their prices, and, and that's the normal economic advantage. I don't even fault them. Yeah. You're supposed to. The, the economic response to lower inventory is to raise price to keep the, everything even. You know, that's just how people do it. Mm-hmm. So one of th- I, I, we we gambled because we said we're going to get them. We're going to get the resupply before. And I, for a couple of days, I was nervous, but we're just getting some stuff back in this week. Um, told, told me we gambled right. Yeah, real quick because we're almost out of time, Skip. But one of the few good things that came out of the pandemic was uh, the the all the incentives that were being offered by GM and by you here personally and locally just to kind of keep the industry going through the pandemic, are those incentives starting to go away? Or are they still something that people can take no, advantage they've, of? They've kept them the same since then. The 84 months is not there, but 72 months zero is there. But, but, but really the truth of the matter is, I mean, 0% sounds great, but if you think about it and you can get interest rates regularly are so low and you, those 0% come with big rebates that you can't get. You have to give up the rebate to get the big, mm. to get to zero percent. So if you go and get regu- a regular loan, you know, and we can facilitate that probably at a cheaper rate than than, than going on your own. But um, uh, a regular loan plus the big rebate is usually a lower payment and, and bigger savings. So those big rebates are still there, right. and that's what's great about it is that uh, the deals are still just as good. Uh, it's still just as good a time, and for one. For one main reason, I believe 
we are selling more pre-owned vehicles than ever. We're about ready to shatter our previous record. I mean, not just beat it, but we beat our own record four times last year. We're not just going to beat it. We are almost there now with over 10 days left in the month. Wow. And uh, and that's because our pricing tool gets bigger traction every month. Um, If you compare apples to apples, pre-owned vehicles, the vehicle we have, we are able to price it to be the best deal. And it doesn't matter what that means our profit is. I would rather sell it quick, make the customer happy, get a good trade. And if you're trading something in so we can sell that quick and just go, that's, that's our philosophy and it's working. And the more and more people um, are using the internet to shop with, the more people find that we have the best price on those. And it's great because somebody comes in and says, well, well, you need to um, do this with this price. And I say, look, my guys come up and say, look, here's all the vehicles like this. We're already $300 cheaper and we're right really where we need to be. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. So um, very, very happy with that. And it's giving great results. Almost 8 billion people on the planet Earth, and Skip Weber is the only one that can say he owns the greatest car dealership in the world and hosts the number one music <laughs> radio show on a talk station in the world. Well, there's yep. only one man that can claim both there's of those only things. only one man, that's right. Make sure you... Really... Ch- <laughs> Go ahead, Skip. I think I'm the working ground on... has been broken for the museum. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, the bad thing about it is, is I'm working on that second thing not potentially not being true anymore because um, I'm trying to get into other markets and, and, and what I'm hearing most is, is that they, don't, they wouldn't necessarily put me on a talk show. Uh, well, but you'll so, always, you, but as long as you're yeah. on a talk station, well, you can enough. still in, say. In, that, in the yes. city where I'm on a talk show, yes. that would be. That is, so right now, that, that equals two cities. We are listened to in 40 states via the wow. radio.com app right That's now. excellent. That is states, excellent. And uh, worldwide. Yeah. 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 So check I have, out. I, I have received no, I have received no stats showing that I'm listened to in any other country yet. Oh, okay, gotcha. I don't know how I get those stats. Available worldwide. Available. Yeah. But maybe yeah. but hasn't tracked. And on the rewind. Yeah, there you it go. This probably isn't tracked. Right. But, but yeah. So, yeah, we don't care about those numbers. So check out everything happening at Weber Chevrolet at WeberChevrolet.com and keep up with the Saturday Evening Rock Show, which, of course, airs every Saturday night, just a couple hours after this show, 9 to 11 here on 97.1 FM Talk. And you can keep up with everything happening with the Saturday Evening Rock Show on the Saturday Evening Rock Show Facebook page. Great little community that Skip has uh, been building there. And I shouldn't even call it a little community because it is growing rapidly. So make sure you check out Do the we have Saturday a Evening Rock Show Do we have a hint evening. for the theme? Yeah, yeah. Give Carl a hint. The hint for the theme is Kiss Me Deadly by the lovely Lita Ford. Oh, that's a good one. Ooh. You want to take a quick guess? we got to hurry. we got to get out. Uh, Runaways? <laughs> no. People that slept with Ozzy Osbourne. No, no, no. <laughs> You'll have to listen tonight ah. and find out. Skip, thanks so much for your time, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Take you care. Bet. All right. We got to take a quick break, and when we get back, more weekend report. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk.
Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Report 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman, who is in for Frank Ladd for the next few weeks. And my partner, Chris Arps, is still practicing proper social distancing connected there at his home. One more segment to go on this week's show. If you missed anything, it's been a good one. We talked to the sheriff of Jefferson County in the first hour, Sheriff Dave Marshak. And in this hour, we talked to our friend Rodney Boyd. And, of course, just played the Weird News Challenge with Skip Weber. If you missed any of the show, make sure you download the podcast Get our podcast anywhere that you get podcasts, but the Radio.com app is my suggestion to you because it's one-stop shopping for everything here at the station. Stream the station 24-7, rewind live radio, and download the podcast of this and every other show on the station on that Radio.com app, and it is all free. Uh, While we still have a few minutes left here, gentlemen, wanted to get both of your thoughts on this. Uh, There is a uh, proposal happening in Major League Baseball right now. That would um, put the designated hitter in both leagues, a universal DH, and it would also, for the first time ever, allow teams to sell ads on the players' jerseys. What do you guys think? Chris, you go first. What do you think about the idea of the universal designated hitter, and what do you think about baseball players uh, putting ads on the jersey? Look, I'm a National League guy, so I'm not in favor of the designated hitter. I know the pluses of it is that it has extended guys' careers. That's good. I'm totally against putting advertisement on uniforms. We're not European soccer players. I think it's just tacky, and I think it's just cheesy, and I hope they don't mess up the game by putting logos uh, on uh, on uniforms. Carl? As we know— why the reason baseball hasn't started is because of the players union arguing with the owners right now and the players union is in favor of the designated hitter in both leagues so we will be getting designated hitter with the next contract thing it's going to happen i'm surprised it has actually taken this long i know the purity of the game but of all the unions in the world the major league baseball players union is really strong yeah and they want it because it can it can prolong the careers of these i would say yeah. i could also see albert pujols coming back to the st louis cardinals as a dh because his his uh, angels thing would be have run out by then when it was, yeah. wasn't it only a 10 year deal i don't know i feel like it was like a 20 year deal no i, th- I thought it was like 10 with, with like after oh, career like stuff, yeah, yeah, like well, post career 
and stuff. I, but I could, I could see something like that I could happening. Right. No, it was probably, yeah, I think you're right, actually. It's ten, I think and, I'm thinking of somebody else. Well, also, and they've experimented with, you know, they put ads on bases. And so yeah. does it really matter? When you see a soccer game, does it really matter that it says Vodafone on somebody's chest? It's 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 going to happen also. I'm so, The NBA was supposed to do it this year. Mm-hmm. And then this is for this year. I know this this proposal for Major League oh, Baseball for the, is for the mini se- would the start mini in 2020 league? if they if they actually get the season started. Right. The, it was supposed to happen with the NBA, and then they thought the NHL would do it. Uh, football. I don't know if football ever even thought about it, but I thought it's easier on baseball because you baseball is very uncluttered on there. They could put it on their shoulders, yeah. and you it's wouldn't tacky. even notice. It, yes, agree. it is tacky. I agree. But Chris. look at NASCAR. NASCAR is no, I know. nothing. But ads I on the cars it. and on the drivers. I hate it. And does that bother you when you it, see a NASCAR driver? No, but it it, it, it bothers me on baseball and it, football. That's a national pastime. I agree. And and I said this earlier this week. I used to, it, there was a day where I would have really like dug my heels in and argued. But it where we're at right now in society it doesn't matter. I, yeah, I just low on the priority. I list. can't. Yeah. I, well, and, it, and it's not even that. It's just like. I just feel like it's going to happen. It doesn't matter. I, I've it's, it's eventual. It's been proven to me that there's nothing, you know, it, 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 there's nothing that's going to stop the almighty dollar. And yeah. there's nothing sacred anymore. Yeah. Either. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just going to it's just going to happen. It, it, and it just, you know, it, it'll it'll just change my habits. I won't enjoy watching baseball as much with the designated hitter in the National League. I, I'd, you know, double switches and and strategizing your lineup. You know, that is one of the cool in things. World in Series, my that was great when the American League guy, the American League coach, had to do that for three or four games. Yeah, it was good to see that. Yeah, I mean, guys like uh, Tony Larusa kind of overdid it, but. <laughs> But I, I like yeah, for one batter. <laughs> I like that. I like that strategy. I like having to look ahead, and you know, and I, I, that's part of the game to me. It's like when I think of the DH, it it reminds me of like if you in a basketball game when when a guy gets fouled. Instead of the guy who got fouled goes shoot the shots, you have a, a special mm-hmm. a specialist that all <laughs> yeah. he does is shoot free throws, and right. he comes in and That's shoots the free and he comes in and shoots the free throws for you because like, the other guy's injured. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's his job. He's a specialist, just like the DH is a specialist at hitting. It's like it's not part of the game. It's just kind of an add-on. And so I don't, you know what I mean? I don't like it. Yeah, I've never liked it. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, well, we'll see. They say it's only a two-year trial period, but we all know that once the <laughs> Pandora's box is open, uh-huh. once the cat's out of the bag, um, and teams are making money off of ad sales on jerseys, they're not going to go back. So, Well, it depends uh, on how much the players get out of that cut. Yeah, and it depends on if we even get a baseball season this That's year, true. but that is a whole another discussion that we can continue next week because, unfortunately, we are out of time. Once again, if you missed anything on today's show, please check out our podcast on the Radio.com app. And you can do that each and every week. So uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. Go Ooh. ahead. Did you have a say? Well, we're going to say next week we should tease the a vice. No, a presidential candidate I is going to probably be on with probably. us. Probably. <laughs> maybe. Probably, uh, hopefully. Probably, hopefully, <laughs> maybe. You'll have to tune in and find out. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Report. For my partner, Chris Arps, and producer, Carl Middleman, I am Tony Colombo. We will see you back here next week. 
on 97.1 FM Talk. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. talk.com His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org/savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.